Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, <laughs> thinking that you're going to love her latest selection. <laughs> and inevitably, you just can't stand that book that she suggested. That's us. Mm-hmm. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, inviting magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can wah, keep wah. your elves in space operas. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked up on her own. Such a heavy emphasis on the word never. 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 (laughs) Even if a book isn't entirely your style, it may have some redeeming qualities to it. Right? I guess we'll see. We will see. Okay. Spoiler alert. Yes. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Now is the time for us to warn you that we're going to discuss the whole book, including the ending and any magical twists. This month we read After Dark Mm -hmm. by Jane Castle. And uh, if you don't want us to spoil anything for you, please stop listening now and join us again after you have decided to read it. (laughs) I'm not even going to include the part where we say, you have a choice. You You don't have to read it. You might not read it. That's silliness. So I'm just not even going to go there. I have my personal, personally owned copy of this book in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. And I had a delightful time rereading it last (laughs) night. (laughs) It was, yeah, I enjoyed myself. How many times have you read it? Gosh, three or four. Oh, that's all? Yes. So this book, uh, After Dark, is the mostly first book in uh, the series. Yeah, there's I'll like a short an explanation story. of that. Okay. There's a short story okay. that she wrote afterwards that you okay. could read in advance. So like a prequel maybe. Kind of, right? Got you it. don't have to read it. Okay. Um so this is the first book in the actual series of which there's like 20 books. <laughs> and there are like spin-off sure. series set in the same world. Okay. So really I think there's kind of like 25-ish books that are set in this space that she has created. <laughs> um, on the planet of Harmony. And so I have not reread this specific book maybe as many times as you would assume because I've reread most of the series a lot of times. Okay. And rereading 20 books at a time is a large commitment. It is. Yes. But it's one that I think you're up for. You know, I'm a fan of rereading series when the new book comes out. Yes. And some of the books I've reread so many times. Like, <laughs> I have never read You Made a Nalini Singh book because it's not quite on par with a lot of what we do. It's a paranormal kind of fantasy uh, urban romance. Okay. And uh, she's got 20, 30 books in her series now. And I've reread some of the first books so often that it's more usually like skimming. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that part. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that part. Yeah. Oh, okay, I got it. Next. (laughs) So that you're pre-prepared in advance of whatever the next one comes in. And I think one of the first books that we read on this podcast was a Terry Pratchett book. Yep. Same thing. I have reread that series I couldn't even count how right. many times. Yes. So it's like an old friend. It is an old friend. I'm still a fan. I, I will happily do an ebook if that is the fastest and most convenient option. Okay. But I love a print book. Yeah. And I have, I use bookshelves as decorative objects mm-hmm. in my house. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, they have such a good vibe to them. Yeah. You walk in and you know they're there waiting for you and you've read them before and it just brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. To, to see them and to reread. Those friends that are on my shelves. Well, lovely. I know. So give us a synopsis and also tell us 
a little bit about uh, this author because she's got multiple personalities. <laughs> so I like how you've transitioned this into like an interview interviewee yes. setup. Yes. It's giving me a real vibe that you didn't read it. <laughs> I read it. I read it <laughs> on the plane. I was coming back from vacation and I listened to the whole thing uh, in maybe over the course of two or three days. So yeah, it's not a long book. No, it's, it's maybe not. like 250 no. pages. And I, I actually enjoyed it very much. I was very entertained. Yeah. Um, the odd part of it is that I can't remember what happened. <laughs> so I don't know if that's jet user lag. error, jet lag, or just that I was, you know, you you had set it up yeah. as kind of a bubblegum, you yeah. know, like fun, fast read, not yeah. anything heavy. Oh. And so I just sort of let it wash over me. Okay, I like it. And I, I, apparently some <laughs> of it didn't get in. <laughs> Okay, I love that very much. <laughs> and some books, that's all you need. And right. it gives you an opportunity to re-listen to it later if you want to. Sure. Uh, particularly because there's so many of them. And it's it'll be like the first time. People will be like, the first oh, time. that's how it ended? Huh, okay. <laughs> so um, the premise of this book and of the series is that uh, humans from Earth um, colonized another planet. And mm-hmm. this planet's called Harmony through uh, some kind of space rift or a something called a, a curtain. Right, the curtain. Um, curtain closed. And, and the curtain closed. And then these people were left on this new planet without all the resources they needed. So this book is now set, I think it's two or three hundred years past that point when the curtain mm-hmm. closed. And they have you know built up a, a very Earth-like society there mm-hmm. with vehicles and TVs and all the stuff you, you come to know, except that instead of being powered by electricity... Uh, many of them have developed psychic talents and use their psychic energies to resonate or res with some of the natural minerals that are found on this new planet. And our protagonist in this book is a lady named Lydia Smith. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Lydia is a para-archaeologist. So much like archaeologists on Earth, her job is to excavate and uncover history. But because they're on a planet that humans were not native to, they are excavating and exploring this ancient alien civilization that was originally on this planet that is no longer there. We never get an explanation about why the well, in this book Correct. we don't get an explanation about why yes, why humans are there and the other species is not. Accurate. Okay. Um I don't even know that it is ever fully answered, even okay. throughout the 20 books. But <laughs> you, you learn more pieces as you go along right. about this alien society and about this green crystal quartz that was their, like, predominant building material. Right. So she is currently working in this low-rate <laughs> – it's called Shrimpton's House of Horrors. Which is the perfect name. I right? Mean, <laughs> even if you don't know that it's a low-rate, like, little, you know, kitschy museum. Shrimpton. You get it. Yeah, very immediately. <laughs> and so what she is doing is kind of hawking mm-hmm. um, low-rate artifacts, and you can go and do tours of, like, alien coffins and things like that. Because she lost her university job when she was on a dig underground, and she lost her memories. Right. Um, for a whole weekend. For a whole she's weekend. A lost the last weekend. weekend. And then comes in this man who she's trying to build up a consulting business who wants to utilize her skills to find his lost nephew. Uh, and then cue murder mystery because sure. one of her colleagues is is dead in the first couple pages. Romance because, of course, you know. Right. Why not? Sure. Uh, and uh, all the eventual tropes that go along with it. So <laughs> what I really like about both the writer and this type of series 
is they are self-contained stories. Mm-hmm. Like this story had a conclusion. Mm-hmm. It had a, it had an arc. You knew who the murderer was at the end. You learned a little bit about this alien planet that they're on. But there's a lot of familiarity to it as well. Like she lives in an apartment complex and right. her neighbor downstairs wants uh, her young nephew to go become what is kind of like a mafia person, but Lydia right. says, no, you should go to college. Like, it's all these very familiar pieces interspersed right. with, oh, yes, you unlock your door using psychic energy, not a key. Right. Right. And you wear um, amber. Amber to test your, mm-hmm. to use your energy correctly. Correct. You have to resonate your psychic energy. I'm motioning my hands like anyone uh-huh. to me. My hands are moving <laughs> like my head is bobbling back and forth. Um, <laughs> resonate your psychic energy through the amber. And I just really like that like you can pick up and put down different pieces of it, mm-hmm. but they all have this continuity thread through them, and they're just so easy. Yeah, they're like yeah. like every story, there is a villain. Mm-hmm. You are trying to get the villain or get away from the villain. Like you've got you know where you're going with it. Right. There's usually a, a matched set of you know like a, a two protagonists that mm-hmm. have a romantic storyline that's involved, and it's got this light undertone of kind of paranormal. Uh, futuristic fantasy piece that, you mm-hmm. know, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think she's a strong character. One of my, I would say, mild criticisms mm-hmm. is um, she's a little uh, not very, um, uh, what would you call it? I don't nuanced. know. Nuanced. She's not oh. very nuanced. She's pretty cut and dry. Like, yes. And she gets a little cranky and a little, mm-hmm. like, quick snap judgments. Like, if I am remembering correctly, there's either another two or three books that focus on the two of them. Okay. And her character evolves more. Okay. And his character is unveiled more. Okay. Because so one of the things I thought would be fun to talk about was romance tropes uh-huh. because there are so many of them. Right, right. And we've done a couple of romances on this podcast. We've mm-hmm. done a Christine Lauren's book. Mm-hmm. We've done – I'm sure we've done another one. But we've done at least one Christine Lauren book. Yeah. And romance books – Often intersect with other genres mm-hmm. like uh, historical fiction, right, or mystery, mystery, or, right. sci-fi, fantasy, all that kind of things. But the whole like gig with romance books is that you're often following specific tropes, right, and it gives you a framework for understanding what's to come, right. Even if you're changing up like the settings or the people, things like that. So I was trying to go through my head like all of the the catalog of romance tropes, and I had so many that fit <laughs> in with this. So for me, it was. Enemies to lovers, because uh-huh. there there was definitely some uh, spicy activity in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the start, she's really mad at him because mm-hmm. he he cajoled her into this contract without giving her all the details. Yeah, and he's dismissive of her, mm-hmm. um, and and rather abrupt with her. His, yes, his his personality is rather abrupt. Yes, like he just doesn't feel the need to explain very much. Uh, yes, absolutely. And then, of course, there's forced proximity. Uh-huh. Um, you know, she's being they have to work together. She's being hunted mm-hmm. by uh, the guy that that took his nephew, and so they have to be roommates for a little while. And right. oh no, he's not wearing a shirt one day. Oops, how'd that happen? <laughs> um, it, the whole different backgrounds. I don't understand where you're coming from. Uh-huh. Peace, because she comes from an academic background, and he works worked with one of their. Uh, they're called ghosts, but they're energy entanglement mm-hmm. guilds that mm-hmm. go around and clear those out. Um, and then, of course, the I have a secret trope. Like, you can't know what's going on. I can't possibly <laughs> tell you all the information. And I just love that, you know, like, it's like a preset button. Yeah. So you can start with all these pieces. So I kind of have an idea where some of it's going to go. But then you mix in all this other good stuff. But right. I, I still know because 
it's meant to be a, like a futuristic romance, then I'm going to get a happy ending at the end. Exactly. And I really like that about romance books. Like, yeah. You just, I don't have to stress yeah. that at the end, like, something awful is going to happen. Yep. I, then it's not a, then it's not good. It's bad. I totally agree, and I think that's one of the reasons that I was able to, like I said, let it wash over me because yeah. I was not stressed about it. I was just like, okay, I kind of I kind of know where this is gonna go. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty predictable. Mm-hmm. Except I will say one of the things that I liked a lot was I can't remember the name of the trophy wife of the guild. Oh, Tamara. Okay, so she. I thought they were setting her up to be mm-hmm. the big bad person. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and and it was like a bait and switch. Mm-hmm. And I liked that because it keeps you on your toes. Absolutely. You know, you're, it would be a little ho-hum like, oh, saw that coming a mile away. Exactly. And so it, it keeps you a little humble. So normally we start off when we talk a little bit more about the author. Mm-hmm. And I just skipped in because yeah, I was you did. very excited about many things with this. <laughs> and... Um, one of the things that is just the most fascinating to me is about the author. So she's an American author. Mm-hmm. She was born in California. She's also a librarian. Oh. So, you know, place in our hearts. Oh. Um, and she worked as an active librarian. She was an elementary school librarian, and then she worked at Duke University, which is where she actually started writing. Good for her. So, like, she's she's mm-hmm. in it fresh. She, she, knows, she knows what library folk need. Right. Um, and when she started writing... Um, most romance that was published was series romance, like mm-hmm. Silhouette. Yep. You know, the little the thin harlequins. Mm-hmm. Those little thin stories where it was really less about the storyline and more about right. the... Uh, Bodice ripping. Correct. Mm-hmm. And there just was not uh, an audience for single-volume, lengthy, meaty mm-hmm. romance subject line novels. Right. And so when she started, she wrote under a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking around, she has seven different pen names <laughs> because she's been a busy lady she who's has. written more than 120 published novels. It's unbelievable how much she's written. Uh, yeah, I don't have that much time in my life, but apparently she just can crank them out. Right. So a couple of her names, she's Amanda <laughs> Quick. She is Amanda Quick, yep. She's Jane Ann Krentz, mm-hmm. and she's Jane Castle. Yes. Uh, that's only three of the... So those are her three main ones. Mm-hmm. She has also written under Jane Taylor, Jane Bentley, Stephanie James, and Amanda Glass. Um, but most of those were Silhouette and Harlequin. Okay. And then she solidified around these three pen names. So Jane Castle is her maiden name. Okay. Jane Ann Krentz is her married name. Okay. I don't know who Amanda Quick is. <laughs> she pulled that one out of the air, maybe. <laughs> and she writes different types of stories under each of them. Yeah. So... Amanda Quick is historical romance. Mm-hmm. Jean Ann Krentz is um, contemporary. Yeah, contemporary romance, usually more suspenseful. Okay. And Jane Castle is more futuristic sci-fi. But the best, the best part is she wrote a series of books under um, I think the overarching like si- series title was called the Arcane Society. Okay. And she used all three of her main pen names <laughs> to write different books in the series at different points in the timeline oh and then God. tied them all together. Oh my god. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. I just love it. I love it. I, I love her. If I think her that's fantastic. Family is like, who are you right now? Like, I mean, who are we talking to? Does it matter? There must be a <laughs> lot of royalties coming from this volume of books. Um, I just think that's a delightful way to set yourself up because I've read some series where it will be the the like they set a world and then different authors write different books yeah. in the series. Yep, those are fun. Yep. So she did that, but just with herself. <laughs> she, why not? Right? She's just fantastic. That's awesome. Um, she, uh, in addition to the many, many, many names and books that she's done on lots of crossover series, she has been nominated for a lot of awards. 
uh, unsurprisingly, most of them are Romantic Times mm-hmm. or the Romance Book Association Awards, um, wrote down that she had been nominated 22 times. Holy smoke. For Romantic Times Awards, including being the inspiration and first recipient of the Romantic Times Jane Austen Award, hmm. which was created to, quote, honor those in the romance community who have significantly impacted the genre. Huh. Which she has, nice. I think. Yes. Well, I mean, just sheer volume alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and accurate. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let our vast viewing audience in yeah, on a little both secret. People. All the vastness of it. Uh, librarians do not just we don't get paid to read, right? Right. We do not get paid to like hang out at a desk with a book and eat bonbons. Oh my, that sounds delightful. It does. But we do not get paid to do that. We right. do other actual work. <laughs> and so all the reading that we do is on our own time, right? And when I was uh, poking around, pulling some background info about, like, how many books were in the Harmony series, I realized I haven't read them all. And so really? Then, yes. So she's still writing. Like, the last one came out in 20 – this book came out, I think, in maybe 2000. 2000. Yeah. yeah. The newest one came out in 2021. Wow. And so, you know <gasps> – That series I, is now legal to drink alcohol. It is indeed. Congrats <laughs> to you, After Dark and Harmony series. <laughs> Well, but now I reread this book yesterday, and I was like, well, I guess I know what I'm doing for the next week and a half on my free time. <laughs> sit myself down and read all the way up until the new ones. Reconnect with an old friend. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is funny. Okay, so I have to know. Yes. There is a specific pet mm-hmm. in this book. Yes. That tickled me greatly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? The dust bunny? <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, so it reminded me, I'm going to throw us back a little while. It reminded me of the um, dodo that was in Jasper Ford's yes. book, yeah. um, The oh, uh, Air Affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because it was just a silly, like, you know, it was entertaining. Uh, it had special I want one. knowledge and powers. Yes. And I, I of course, because I'm me. Sorry, I have to throw some cold water on I'm it not somewhere. Mad about it. I didn't like that it had six legs. That annoyed me. Don't okay. know why. That's fine. I um, mean, we are p- pretty quadriplegic uh, yeah. as a society. Most yeah. most things that have less than four, less or more than four limbs, weird us out, like spiders. Right. Yeah. So that did kind of weird me out, but mm-hmm. and I could get past the eyes and the multiple eyes mm-hmm. and whatever. I did like that it sat on her shoulder and, um, like. Jaunty. Kind of freaked out when jaunty. when there it was like a mm-hmm. an energy uh-huh. thermometer. Yes. Oh, I like that. My one of my favorite descriptions in this book was so uh, this is like a, a native creature to the planet right. of Harmony. They call it a dust bunny. Um, so it's about the size of it appeared to be described as about the size of like a, a guinea pig or something okay. like that. And they described it as looking like a wad of dried lint. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but then, then with four eyes and six legs. And um, you could comb it out. Right. And then you wouldn't be able to see its little legs or its ears. It was just <laughs> four eyes poking out at you in a wad of lint. I love that. And I really, I really like when when people are world building and they include both like little whimsical pieces yeah. like that and things that make you just like, that was silly. Right. But right. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The dust bunny made me happy. And it ate pretzels. Like that was super random. Who doesn't like pretzels? Well, the no pretzels. one. I mean, of course, but it was pretzels, yeah. and um, and at and one point, at, <laughs> at one point, Emmett says, "Hey, could I have a pretzel?" And she's like, "Yeah, but eat the ones in the oven because mm-hmm. um, Fuzz can't open the oven door; it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. He is probably salivated on all the ones in his." And mm-hmm. Emmett was just kind of like, 
Hmm. Got it. Hmm. Thanks. And I don't know if he thanks, even not thanks. got a pretzel after that. If he was <laughs> kind of, you know, dissuaded. Uh, I hope not. Yeah. Pretzels are delicious. They are delicious. Um, so one of the things that you didn't get to learn that much about in this book, but which I am sure you will learn more about when you listen to the rest of them. The rest of the series, right. Um, so one of the things I thought was a fascinating little piece of um, – like cultural world building, mm-hmm. not like the, the place setting or anything like that, was how they handle uh, relationships and marriages on this planet. Mm, okay. So they, there's a finite amount of people that came through the curtain. Curtain oh, closes. Oh, sure. Now they're stuck on this planet having to redefine society and build up all that kind of stuff. And so over the course of the two or 300 years up until the present when this book happens, um, they have set themselves up so that many of the follow-up books feature matchmakers. Okay. So they will purposefully go to matchmakers to try and buddy people up. Okay. That'll help di- to diversify populate. their gene pool. Yeah. Okay. And what they have set up here is uh, marriages of convenience uh-huh. and Covenant marriages. Yeah. So it's referenced in this, mm-hmm. but they don't flesh it out. So I would love to hear. Yeah. So a marriage of convenience is a, a set duration marriage. Okay. And I can't remember if it was a year or two or five or something like that. But it was a, a shorter span of years. Mm-hmm. And you are with the person that you're with. But if you get to the end and you go, that didn't work, you're just done. Okay. That's it. It's like a trial period. Exactly. <laughs> it's very much that. Like you, you're living together. Mm-hmm. We probably don't share your finances, but you you know mm-hmm. that this is your opportunity to see if it's a good fit. Okay. And then you could choose to renew your marriage of convenience if you want to like just keep hanging out the way you are. Sure. Or you could enter into a covenant marriage, which is um, much more structured. It is forever, and you like you can't get out of it. Like, that <laughs> is the end. You're stuck. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting piece that they develop more throughout the series. In reaction to having a limited population, mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that people can continue to be people and yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, do what they're going to do anyway. Right. But to give them some structure within a, a unit that yeah. is maybe developing or is not going to. And they can just let it go. You don't have to argue about it. You don't have to yeah. go to court. It's just done. Yeah. And I thought I would share that because I know it was very briefly mentioned in the book. But yeah. it is definitely for the storyline that continues for Lydia and Emmett – becomes a more central theme. Okay. And as you get further books in, they're focusing on different matchmaking communities. Hmm. And it, it's really a, a strong part of that. So oh. just thought I would bring that up too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that. Ah. So one of the things that perplexes me, and maybe you could <laughs> help me with it, or maybe there's no help. It's just a, that's the way it is and go on, oh. is I kind of felt like the nephew, like I kept forgetting that the mm-hmm. nephew existed. Like, it was a throwaway character. Right, but you would still think if that's your mission that mm-hmm. it would be more centrally in the mm-hmm. plot. And agreed, <laughs> I kept it would poke its head out, and I would go, "Oh yeah, right, okay, yeah, that's that, what we're doing. Yeah, that one. That's why he's still here. Okay, um, yeah. Did you have the same yes. reaction? Well, I mean, this was her first book in the series, and right. I, I will definitely say I like it a lot. I've uh-huh. read it a ton of times. Right, but, you know, <laughs> there could there could be some. Sh- Light zhuzhing that happened to it. Um, so over the course of the time that 
that Lydia and Emmett have this contract, right? Originally, they're looking for a stolen family curio. Right. And then it's, oh, no, wait, we're actually looking for my nephew nephew who followed a a woman here and has now been missing for two weeks. Right. Oh, wait, there are a lot of, like, young adults that are missing. Right. New new adults, like, you know, like 18 to 25. There's a lot of people that are missing. Where are all those people? Right. Oh, no, is it this other guild boss over here who's (laughs) contemplating stepping down and maybe it's his wife who wants to keep the power of it? Maybe it's this rando over on the side there. There's somebody lurking around trying to vandalize my apartment. Oh, no, wait. This guy that died at the beginning of the book <laughs> left me his worldly values that I have to find through a secret code. And it's like this other alien gemstone. Yeah, There's it, a lot going on. There's definitely the nephew got lost in the storyline a little bit there. And at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, there he is. That, that is exactly what happened. I was listening. I was like, oh. Right, him. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and then the woman that he followed showed up too, and yep. I was like, "Well, that is great. Uh-huh. I'm glad they're both accounted for." Yeah. Even though I'd forgotten about both of them. Yeah. Check and check. Welcome. Yeah. So glad you're back in the storyline. <laughs> you know that that was not the strongest piece of it, and that was okay. Mm-hmm. Like it was fine. Like tied up with a bow. Sure. I think is is how I would have put that. Yep. I actually. <laughs> so, um, I wrote down for myself like. The names of the characters so in free. So I right. wrote down Plucky Lydia Smith, uh-huh. Macho Silent Man, yep. Emmett London, the recently deceased Chester, <laughs> the mysterious Wyatts did not put his nephew on there. <laughs> well, so I did the same thing. And it was it's harder for me because if I'm not yeah. writing down as I'm listening. Sure, sure. And I was not because I was yeah. on a plane. Um, <laughs> and I have Lydia Smith, Emmett London. Fuzz, because mm-hmm. Fuzz got third billing, mm-hmm. Chester Brady, and then downstairs neighbors, boy and aunt, <laughs> and nephew. <laughs> they were fine. Zane and Olinda, they were they were nice. And they play in more in the future stories as well. But yeah. I'm just, I know I usually try and pick like, oh, classic. We're going right. to these classic ones or these great new award winners. <laughs> I was browsing my shelf the other day. And I was like, I want to reread this. Yeah. I'm going to make Christine do it with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was perfect. And it was mm. it was a welcome, like... Like you, it was exactly as you build it. It was fun, mm-hmm. fast, easy to read, yep. um, a little bit of adventure. I, and I was definitely um, engaged while Woo. I was listening. So it Champion. wasn't. I don't want to make it sound like I wasn't paying attention. Yep. Like sometimes I zone out when we get into all the mm-hmm. world building. I was actually paying attention, which is why I was very puzzled when when last night I was like, why don't I remember who the murderer is? That's not a good. Well, there sign. were several of them. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, and um, I'm not even going to list their names, so that if someone chooses to listen, or if you choose to listen to it again, it'll be a surprise. <laughs> well, and mostly because you don't have their names written down. I know you. I can see your list. I could <laughs> rattle them off if needed. I will no. not. There are three of them. How about I don't, that? I don't want to. I don't want to put you on <laughs> the spot. Okay, so I chose an obviously exceedingly good choice this month. Yes. What are you going to give me in return for that? I'm going to nonfiction. I know. It sounds like it's going to be a snoozer. Um, Okay. But the title, just listen to the title. I think you're going to love it. I have my eyes closed. Okay. It's it's a long one. It's Mm. Eager, Mm. The Surprising Secret Life of Beavers and Why They Matter (laughs) by Ben Goldfarb. And I have to tell you, so the the way I got to this book was, as you know, and I've told you a billion times, I listen. I don't read. And um, I have really enjoyed this one particular reader or mm-hmm. performer. And he, I so I went on his website just to see what else he had done. Mm-hmm. And he narrated this and he said he really enjoyed, that was one of his favorite books to narrate. And okay. I was like, well, 
that's weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I listened to it. And <laughs> my husband was like, oh, my God, stop talking about beavers. Like, <laughs> you have to stop talking about beavers. So knowing that you love nature I and do. you love gardening. And, I do. Um, and beavers are extraordinary creatures. They really are. It, even if. So here's my pitch to you. Do with this book what I did with um, After Dark. Mm-hmm. Let it wash over you. Don't try to take mm-hmm. in all the details because it can get detail heavy. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to get a kick out of it. Um, I'm so, very excited. Eager, The Surprising <laughs> Life of Beavers and Why They Matter by Ben Goldfarb. Well, and I'm going to preview for everyone. Yes. I listen to a ton of nature and animal-based podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I will be just liberally sprinkling those <laughs> throughout this, including one where I recently listened to a review of a beaver. Oh, nice. So, One of them. Excuse me. There are many. So many you are going to already be. I am already excited about this. Yes. <laughs> I am. I am ready to go. This is. So it's time for me to get out of my um, my pandemic induced happy books only and get back. Not that this is an unhappy yeah, yeah, book, yeah, yeah. but get back to some real life. Okay. So. Okay. 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 okay so acceptable. thank you. Thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? (laughs) Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So join us next month when we will be discussing Eager, The Surprising Secret Life of Beavers and Why They Matter (laughs) by Ben Goldfarb, G-O-L-D-F-A-R-B. Thank you and keep on reading.